Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from the Globe and Mail. On behalf of a grateful nation, but an even prouder people, we therefore present to you the designee for National Hero of Barbados, Ambassador Robin Rihanna Fenty. May you continue to shine like a diamond and bring honor to your nation by, where, by your words, by your actions, and to do credit wherever you shall go. God bless you, my dear. Thank you. That's the Prime Minister of Barbados honoring singer Rihanna with the title of National Hero. It's given to the most influential people from the island. This happened during a celebration on November 30th, when Barbados officially severed ties with the British monarchy to become the world's newest republic. The country gained independence 55 years ago, but as of this week, the Queen is no longer its head of state. Moving away from the Queen ceremonially doesn't necessarily mean that we've moved away from everything that was transplanted or or placed on us during colonial times. And we have to start to dissect that and think about those things and think about what we want to remain and those things that desperately need to change. That's Kareem Smith. He's a reporter for the online publication Barbados Today and has been covering this story. He'll talk about what's next for the country and the role that young people played in this change. This is The Decibel. Kareem, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we're reaching you in, in Bridgetown, the, the capital of Barbados, uh, just a, a day really after the ceremony took place uh, at midnight on November 30th. What's the mood like there now? Yeah, well, I think for about 24 to 36 hours, um, it has been one of jubilation, excitement, hopefulness. Uh, and I think prior to the actual transition, there was a bit of uncertainty about what it meant. And I think there's still a bit of uncertainty about what this whole new direction means. But I think just seeing uh, the monarchy removed uh, from our governance system and our governance structure and watching as Barbadians, you know, took over the highest offices in the country. And uh, of course, we saw another national hero appointed in Rihanna, another black Barbadian woman. I think that, you know, there's a lot of hopefulness, a lot of excitement about what's ahead. And you're a, you're a journalist for Barbados today. Uh, you're yeah. also a, a Barbadian, born and raised. Uh, so can I ask you, how do you, how do you feel about these events and about uh, leaving the monarchy? Yeah, well, I think that is a necessary step, um, simply put. Uh, from about the 1600s, when Barbados was first colonized, it would have appeared as though there was nothing really positive in it for the masses of people who would have been brought to Barbados as slaves, subjected to very inhumane treatment for about 200 years, and then another 100 years, bringing you to about the 1930s, there was still a lot of people living in slave-like conditions. The majority of the population really would have been living under slave-like conditions. Uh, And then you start to see a movement around the 1930s where persons start to rise up. And then we moved on to self-governance still as as a colony, but Barbadians would have been voted into some of the high offices in the country. Then we would have moved to independence. Throughout my entire lifetime, I wasn't around when when we had our independence project, but there was always a question, or there is always a question 
um, surrounding people my age as to why the, the highest ceremonial office in, in the land is still one where the Queen of England sits. And I don't think that anyone really saw her as a queen. And from what some of the young people would say is that, you know, the only queens we really know it would be the Prime Minister, Mia Motley and, and Rihanna, uh, who is an international superstar. You just mentioned there are people your age. Can I ask how, how old you are? What generation you're in? I'm 25 years old. I want to ask you about the new president. Uh, can you just tell us who she is and, and, and what she represents uh, to Barbadians? Our new president is Dame Sandra Mason. She's a culmination of, of what I like to call um, the Barbadian dream, so to speak of. She was educated in our public education system. She became our first woman attorney at law. She served on many Caribbean community commissions on, on freedom of movement. She also became one of the first um, woman magistrates ever in Barbados and the first to, to ever serve as a diplomat, um, appointed as governor general in 2018. And from there um, to rise to become the first president, it just feels like the culmination of everything that is the best of Barbados coming together and being encapsulated in one person. You mentioned that she's the former governor general, though. That's kind of an, an, an interesting detail because the governor general is the queen's representative in a place. Uh, is there any, I guess, conflicting feelings about the fact that the new president was the former representative of the queen? I mean, yes, you knew that the governor general was the queen's representative, but in many ways she was never quite linked to the queen in the minds of Barbadians. So in many, in the minds of, of Barbadians, Dame Sandra Mason was the queen of Barbados. Can you describe what happened there at the ceremony uh, on November 30th? What happened with Rihanna? Well, I think it was a, a shock to everyone, all of the persons who were gathered there and all of the others who would have been watching. The, the announcer said, you know, the prime minister has a special announcement to make. And then you start to hear some whispers across the crowd. Rihanna had just arrived fashionably late and she had just taken her seat. And I was thinking to myself, is she about to make Rihanna a national hero of Barbados? And that's the thought that, that came into my mind, but I still I still didn't believe it. Um, and then she makes the announcement and she starts to speak of achievements that could only be um, related to Rihanna. And then she starts to talk about her working class background, the school which she attended, the common mayor school in Barbados. And then you start to pinch yourself and say, yeah, she's about to make Rihanna a national hero. And of course, despite how solemn the event was, you automatically heard uh, rousing applause from, from everyone who was there. And it really symbolized a lot more than that. We only, prior to, to that announcement, we, we had 10 national heroes. Only one was a woman and um, nine of them are dead. And I don't, I, I'm sure that we've never had some person being named a national hero in their, in their early to mid thirties. So I think that that was very, very amazing. And it's yet to be seen, but there are also a lot of young people who, who are contributing to society and want to know that their contributions will be appreciated in Barbados. Uh, and I think that that announcement spoke volumes. So let's maybe delve into a little bit of, of, of how we got here, how we got to this place of Barbados leaving the monarchy. Why was this the moment chosen? I guess, why, why now? Yeah, well, that, that's a question perhaps that only the Prime Minister can answer. But of course, when you have a majority in Parliament, 
and you want to make certain decisions, the best time to make it is now, immediately, as soon as you can. Because, uh, for instance, if we, our next election is due in 2023, and there's no telling whether she would have the same mandate from the people to make the, the transition. The other thing is the global moment as well, where we have a lot of Black Lives Matter movements springing up. Um, there are movements. There were movements here in Barbados for a long time about the, the removal of certain symbols that, you know, tell a deep, dark story of, of slavery. Uh, there was the removal of the Lord Nelson statue, which for about two decades sat in our national hero square, which is, you know, a place that, that is revered by, by many people. And for a British naval captain to be, you know, standing in the middle of our national hero square, it really didn't send the, the right message. The general feeling is that he was also protecting um, a system of slavery that existed in Barbados at the time. He was also trying to, you know, protect the fortunes of the people in charge of Barbados and the, and the monarchy and those wealthy families in Britain who were making a killing on the backs of slaves um, who were not being paid, whose families were being separated, who, who were being tortured and all of these things in Barbados. He also apparently didn't even like Barbados. But of course, there were economic fortunes that he needed to protect as a naval captain. And he did that and he was honored. So many years down the road, when we when we study the history of this man and what he represented, the, the national, him being placed in the National Hero Square of Barbados is one of the most insulting things that we could continue to have um, if we, we are now moving to a majority black um, country um, whose descendants were, you know, subjected to the same slavery that he helped to protect. And at that point in time, there was a massive youth movement pushing for this statue to come down and it came down. And I think that was a, a nice precursor, a nice segue from one uh, segment of activism into another. And of course, you had the young people pushing for a republic. There's also a movement in the country to hold the monarchy to account um, and, and a renewed conversation really around reparations as well. Uh, what, what's happening on that front? The first thing that, that, they're asking, that we're asking for is a formal apology from the British government, from the monarchy and from those very wealthy families who have benefited. And we fundamentally believe that because of the role that Britain played in oppressing the people of Barbados, and their descendants that they should should pay tangibly um, as part of mending you know the destruction the social destruction the the economic destruction that was inflicted on on the masses of Barbados and which we still feel to this day in terms of our economic situation the the belief is that they really ought to repay us from some of the generational wealth that they would have acquired and I mean, it, it makes sense in my mind that if you're asking for reparations for, you know, hundreds of years of colonialism and slavery, um, it begs the question, why would you hold on to the queen, the monarchy, um, if you've said that that family, along with many other wealthy British families who I might add are very wealthy to this day because of the forced labor um, that was slavery, why would you hold on to that system you know, you're asking for something like that and you're still holding on to this person as your queen. It just doesn't go together. And one thing needed to take place 
before we start to have real discussions on the others. And I think that that transition, as ceremonial and as symbolic as it was, it was the first step um, in, in terms of moving the needle on a number of other issues that are very important to the Barbadian people. So, Kareem, the transition ceremony is, has happened. Barbados is officially out of the monarchy. So what happens next? What are the actual, I guess, real changes that we'll, we'll see in the, in the country uh, like moving forward now? The real changes, first and foremost, will be symbolic. Uh, and us having a president that's a Barbadian from a, from a working class background who, who rose to high heights. Um, the removal of certain symbols, certain uh, designations like the Royal Barbados Police Force or the, or the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. All of those things are supposed to change the, the large portraits of the Queen and those are to be mo- removed from our government house, which is to be renamed um, State House. After th- all of those things um, come down, we really have to start to move towards um, instituting actual changes because what what... Again, the historians would have told us about the about the the history of Barbados is that many of the institutions, many of uh, the governance structures and and the laws that would have been in place were deliberately put in place to uh, keep persons oppressed, keep people's minds oppressed, and and there are a number of uh, constitutional changes that we need to to embark on. So there's going to be a process where we Try attempt to rewrite our constitution section by section. You know the rights of the LGBTQ community um, that is in desperate need of of reform. And I think that many of those discussions, are very di- difficult discussions for a country that has, in many ways, held on to very traditionalist views. And I think we have to start to have a deeper discussion about how we ensure that everyone feels included in our laws. Um, in our customs, and those are the types of discussions. So moving away from the Queen um, ceremonially doesn't necessarily mean that we've moved away from everything that was transplanted or or placed on us during colonial times. And we have to start to dissect that and think about those things and think about what we want to, to remain and those things that desperately need to change. You wrote a piece about about this moment where you say, uh, quote, many of my fellow young Barbadians view November 30th as the start of a new national journey. In fact, many of us are not content with the simple tokenism of having a Barbadian head of state, end quote. Uh, so what is it that young Barbadians are looking for now? Young Barbadians are looking for a country that that will give everyone an equal opportunity to excel and and. I think that that's the main thing that young Barbadians want. Young Barbadians want a country that will appreciate them. I think that Barbadians, all Barbadians, especially young Barbadians, want to feel as though they have an equal stake in everything, in every aspect of of Barbados, a country that's a lot more tolerant, um, a country that embraces uh, persons regardless of their different persuasions, persons who are from different communities and schools of thought, whether that be religious, whether that be in relation to their lifestyle, who they choose to love. Um, I think that that's what young Barbadians really, truly want to see from this project, that Barbados becomes 
a lot more open to diversity. Our countries obviously do have very different histories, but Canada still has the Queen as our, our head of state here. So I wonder, what do you think Canadians in Canada might be able to learn from Barbados and, and the events that have just transpired there? Yeah, well, you rightfully pointed out um, that our, our histories are, are very different. Our experiences would have been very different. But I think the first thing perhaps that Canada could take away from it is a process of self-reflection, a process where you look at your history, um, you look at the history of the majority population, you look at some of the minorities, some of the indigenous groups, um, perhaps your Asian and African um, populations, and you have a very honest moment of self-reflection about everything that would have transpired since Canada existed and determine what are some of the things that need to change and what perhaps was the role of the monarchy in you know Canadian history and whether that's something that you want to continue to be associated with. Um, and I think at another level, which in my mind is very simple, I, I don't think that Canada is is England. And I think that if I were to migrate to Canada, for instance, the, my experience in Canada and the way that Canadians do things and the way that Canadians live and their culture and their customs is quite different from what I would experience if I were to go to, to England and, and to the United Kingdom. And as a Barbadian, um, it, it may appear as though, yeah, the majority population of, of Canada is descended from um, from from the British, um, but I still think that if you you look deeply at yourselves in your society, you would be able to acknowledge that the person who should be um, or who should represent um, the highest office in Canada and who encapsulates everything that is Canadian could only be um, a Canadian. And that's just from my perspective as a Barbadian, I, I have to confess that I really don't know how Canadians feel about the monarchy and whether that's something that Canadians have a deep desire to do. But certainly, that's how I feel. Kareem, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to, to speak with us. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Timon Johnson is our intern. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks to Kareem Smith. You can find more of his work at barbadostoday.bb. You can also email us at thedecibel at globeandmail.com. If you want to reach me, I'm on Twitter at RW. And if you haven't already, please follow The Decibel wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.